Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotter. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry, by the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio hotter. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to episode 27, Radio Hot Lap, where we take a light-hearted look at the world of motorsport, cool technology, emerging technology, and barbecue. Very good, JP. Welcome to the show, mate. <laughs> G'day, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Seriously, we've got a lot to get through today. And, we have. Um, I think we're going to pretty much go straight off down to Tasmania. Well, I think we should. We're at the end of day one after the prologue Wednesday of Target Tasmania. And... Um, and speak to some of the people down there, but oh. uh, we'll just give it a bit of a wrap up first. Uh, yep. How they're all going? Well, I think there they're all go. going. Uh, they're all going pretty well. I mean, Jimmy's on top as expected, but he's getting a uh, a bit of a hurry up there from uh, Glenny and Glenny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your writing. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say it's yeah. Glenny. Yeah. Um, Jason and John White in the. Uh, oh, they probably on the GT uh, the. Uh, the GDR, not the Galato that they ran at Mount Buller. So I'm not even sure what car that is. I, I'd imagine it'd be the, the no. I reckon oh, it's the well, R34. All right, could be the R34. All right. And then uh, Waza and our own Linda Long. That's right, Linda and uh, Warwick Brooklyn in the sitting uh, four in the team Mitsubishi and Rally Art Evo Nine. They were uh, they were four in the prologue yesterday, and they're still four today. Or if, if you like, they're sort of third, and the uh, two guys in front are joint. And then Dean Herrich in the Subaru is uh, five. Uh, Tony Quinn's sixth. And Brocky in the Daytona, the oh, 2000 yeah. Daytona, uh, the next along. Anyway, we'll get straight into it because I, I think they you know, probably want to go to bed early because they've got to get up early and stuff. Well, well that's actually, right. that's and not the case. You see, if you're leaving, if you're up the pointy end, you get to sleep in. So there's an added incentive to go a bit harder. Well, yeah, you're right, too. Uh, just uh, before we start, we just go. Uh, I'm not having a beer today, viewers. I'm having a Taylor's Promised Land Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, 2001. Johnny found a little extra one on, on the shelf there. It's a was Shiraz a, Cap. A, 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 yep, 2001 Lurker. Yep, uh, it was, was a Lurker. Nothing over 10 bucks. And uh, what are you having, mate? And I've got the uh, obligatory uh, Cooper's Lager. Oh, yeah, back just, to the Cooper's Yeah, back to the Cooper's Lager. That's all you've ever got in the bloody fridge these days. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, and in the background, uh, Rusty Sausage, having a bit of a sniff out the back. And you'll hear a few little bit of clunking and banging up there because James has decided to cook up a friggin' stew. And a storm. When, when He's we're cooking right up a there storm in the middle of the radio stew. show, but what do we have to do, I suppose? You just well, as long as, he, as, long as, as he feeds us at the end of the show, we don't care. James. And viewers, James found his Ugg boots, so we're yep. all very happy about That's that. That's national news. Yeah, anyway, go away. Um, okay, we're going to ring Linda. We are. And you blab on. And I'll just on blab phone. on about where they've been today. Uh, on the first day, they uh, they started at uh, Launceston, and they finished at Launceston. Funnily enough, um, there was a lunch stop uh, just after Moriarty, which I think that's what a wonderful name. Um, and then in the afternoon, they went on to Devonport, a uh, particularly little tricky little bit called the Nook. Uh, and then Sheffield, uh, through Mole, Mole Creek, good old Mole Creek, and then back through uh, Longford, where the old uh, Grand Prix circuit was, and uh, back into Launceston uh, via Perth, but not Perth in WA. 
Um, hopefully John's got Linda on the phone now because I was only supposed to read that out and uh, we were supposed to carry on with the next. But what we might do while we're waiting is touch on a very quick little bit of techie stuff. Um, you know we're always carrying on about all the Mac stuff. Um, Apple finally released a 17-inch version of their Intel PowerBook and uh, apparently a lot of Mac resellers in the States are um, pre-installing uh, Windows XP. Anyway, uh, Johnny's back now. <laughs> Why you managed to move off Target Tasmania? Well, yeah, I did. I, I went through Linda on the phone. I went through the map of Tasmania as far as it went and got from Launceston back to Launceston via Longford, Perth, and everywhere else. And uh, then I ran out of things to say. Anyway, Linda's here. Are you there, Linda? I am JP and John. How are you going, boys? Good, thank you, Linda. How are you? I'm, I'm good. A little bit tired, but I'm very, very good. Yeah, you sound very chirpy, and uh, I must say that the photography we've seen of the of the Mitsu team uh, Mitsubishi Rallyard Evo 9 that you and Warwick are punting around, the, the um, bushy parts of Tasmania, uh, looks absolutely <laughs> sensational. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you've seen some good photos, because I haven't seen any, but look, I've seen the car in the flesh. I'm in it, and it is. It's a beautiful car. An absolutely amazing car, and I'm very proud to be in it. So, no, we're having a great time banging around the roads of Tasmania. And talking about the car, is it? I mean, obviously, it's still fairly early days yet. Um, I know that uh, there was quite a bit of fine tuning still to be done because uh, Warwick had never really driven it in anger on the on the circuit, so to speak. Um, is that settling down now? Yeah, no, you're right. It, today really is the very first day that you know as. As you said, JP, driven at Nanker, and, and it's very difficult taking a brand new car that's built for him and just sort of like, now, here you go, guys. Off you go. Do well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like we've, the boys and Warwick have worked very well together, and they've done little changes along the way during the day today, just minute little things, just to sort of help settle the car into a nice setup for Warwick so that it's really, you know, like get it to his total comfort zone and also to be able to get the most out of the car. and basically wring its neck, which is what the little baby needs to have done to her. <laughs> Bit of an unfortunate turn of phrase, though. Well, uh, well, kind of. But cars love having their necks wringed when they're like this. I mean, these cars are designed for it, and they don't like being driven sluggishly, and they, they revel in being thrashed. They do. Well, that. So um, this is 2006, Targa. Um, just on the first day out, uh, or rather the second day, if you're including Prologue, what, what are your observations just generic, generically about the field? Um, a really, really huge depth of the field this year, as in top people in the top. I mean, every year the bar gets lifted as to the game of your times and who's going to be there and who's pushing you and who's having it a go. Um, yeah, Steve Glennie in the Subaru actually ended up being not a surprise, total surprise package, but a surprise to all of us today um, by actually, you know, like leading the day. And we all knew that he would be quick, but I think all of us who are regular tarmac rally drivers, you know, com campaigning were very shocked to see him basically leading. Um, so that was a bit of a shock. And then naturally we've got the other Subaru of the factory team with Dean Herridge and Dean is definitely up there on the mark. I mean, I'm sorry to say, but I'm glad to say as well, we beat him today. Yeehaw. Yes, I notice he's <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> sorry, I've got a slight of Mitsubishi banner there. So, yeah, look, there's... And, you know, having Peter and Peter Brock and the Daytona, I mean, Pete's only not that far off us either. So the quality of the field and the 
the times that people did today are a lot uh, closer than what I believe they've ever been before. It's, it's normally been just a walk away with Jim Richards and Tony Quinn and the Porsche. And today it was, you know, it was absolute testament that that isn't happening, and everyone's having a really good go. And just the presentation of the cars. There's naturally since they've opened it up to the modern category. There's a lot more modern cars, but I'll tell you what, Mitsubishi must be thrilled because the amount of evolutions in this event this time is just astounding, and I'm really thrilled to see them here and doing very, very well. Linda, give the viewers a bit of a uh, heads up about what sort of support resources Team Mitsubishi Rally are putting into it to get a car into the top ten. Okay, well, they've actually um, haven't brought down the whole crew that work at Rally Art, but we actually have our team manager here, Alan Heafy, who runs the show, overseeing everything. We have one assistant to him who also does our logistics and sorts everything out for us. Then we have four service crew, and one is a dedicated engineer, another one is a team, um, basically the service crew manager, who is just a fanatic for everything being exact and beyond exact, and it's just wonderful. And then two other guys that are, you know, fully qualified mechanics that work for Rally Art servicing the car. We actually have three chase cars, if you would like to call them that, or service vehicles running around, and they end up having to leapfrog throughout the day because it's impossible for all of them to be at the end of stages and stuff, so they all take turns because of the distances they travel. So we're spoiled, I will admit, and we're very, very lucky with the support and the um, backing that we actually have a team waiting for us at the end of every stage and we may not necessarily stop and see them we might just give them the thumbs up but we have that reassurance if anything does go wrong there is a very qualified person or two people there at the end of the stage waiting for us to come through and make sure everything's okay and if it isn't they'll be on it straight away to fix it good uh, i understand that they're, they're also looking after a few customer cars like daryl Beatty and some of those guys as well oh yeah Daz is having an awesome time i tell you guys you should have seen him yesterday he was like a kid at Christmas, and I came up to him afterwards, and I was having a bit of a chat, and I'm going, oh, Dale, you know, how's it going, man? He goes, oh, 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 this rally's right, this is awesome, this is great fun, like, I don't see where you convert, he goes, oh, yeah, he says, I want to do this now, he thinks it's great, and it's far better than being on a bike, because it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. <laughs> well, after coming back from Pukakali, I reckon, it's probably anything, anything's better than driving over there. <laughs> he did make a couple of mentions over about New Zealand, but we won't go into that. But no, actually, I, I haven't seen Daryl's times as of today. But um, he, I saw him actually at one stage today. He was quite a few cars in front, but I actually saw him take off. And Warwick and I were actually sitting in the car going, yeah, go, Daz, go, go, go. And he sort of really hooked it into the corner. And we're going, yeah, baby, that's the way to do it. And he's actually finding this um, Evolution 9 that he has in the showroom class so easy to drive. And he's just stepped into it straight away. And he's having a ball and just... He, he loves it. He's, I think he's hooked. <laughs> uh, Peter Brock made a bit of a bold statement that he was uh, going to take the event out in the Daytona, the 2000 uh, Daytona Coupe, but uh, I believe that tomorrow's stage is going to be a fairly twisty affair that might not really favour that type of vehicle. What's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, look, I'm, I mean, hey, maybe Peter has that right to say that because of who he is and what he's achieved in his lifetime, and, yeah, he's probably got a little bit more street cred to have that boasting ability um, in reality terms. Um, yeah, that is a bold statement to make, and, you know, look, I'm not going to take anything away. I'm sure he will give it his best, but the car that he's driving, um, the Daytona Coupe, is just, you know, it's a fabulous and beautifully prepared car, and it certainly does have the legs, you know, especially against us, but 
the rear wheel drive and also the length of the car and its weight and everything through the tight and twisty stages that we have tomorrow, which are very tight and very technical and twisty and very narrow, um, I honestly believe he'll actually have a bit of a struggle on those ones. So, and tomorrow's stages, like we have nine stages tomorrow, two of them definitely, he'll get us on two of them. Easy, not a problem because they're long and fast and flowing. But the rest of them, um, he's going to be pretty hard push keeping up with the um, evolutions and the yeah. Subarus. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens out of that little comment, won't it? Well, it, well and I think that comment actually is probably a little bit more media generated than uh, anybody would like to admit. I was probably a bit talked into that statement, I would suggest. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll ask him tomorrow and get the real goss for you. Yeah, well, that'll be a good idea. <laughs> uh, so, are you looking forward to tomorrow? I am actually, tomorrow's a very long day because we actually traverse like basically the whole of Tasmania from, you know, the top at Launceston and we travel across to the east coast and then all the way down along the water's edge right down to um, Hobart and it is a very long day and as I said, nine stages um, and out of those nine stages, there's seven of them that will definitely count towards the time so they're not going to be town stages, there's only one town stage tomorrow that's always made easy for everybody to sort of clean sheet as they call it and not lose any base time um so yeah it's going to be a, a good day a tough day um i've just had a weather report and apparently it's going to be dry so i'm not happy about that because i just want the rain <laughs> <laughs> yeah as you would so all you people out there would you please do a rain dance tonight for me so i get rain tomorrow <laughs> now um mr white is he in the lambo or is he in the gtr 34 no mr white's in the lamborghini gentleman he's in the lambo yeah. Yes, so is. I was yes, right and Johnny was wrong. Car. Thank you. Well, that's surprising. I would have thought that he was, um, you know, maybe with the hydraulic problems that he'd had with the, the, the drivetrain at Mount Buller that he might not have decided to use that car down there and go with a more tried and proven vehicle that won last year. No, no, no. I mean, um, his uncle, John White, who co-drives for him, his company is actually Delta Hydraulics, so if they can't fix it, nobody can. Oh, no, absolutely. No, you've got to, you've got to, <laughs> no they'd right. actually made the commitment this year to um, drive the Lamborghini. Um, they do have, um, I don't know the exact deal, but they do have some sort of deal with Lamborghini about that, so they are committed to run the rest of the year in it. And they're determined to get that car, you know, set up to basically win, win um, rallies. So, you know, they're not going to give it away. They'll definitely keep going with it. Well, Linda, thanks for that. We'll, uh, we'll probably speak to you later in the week. And um, before we go and have a chat to Warwick, the most important question um, that the viewers would be asking you was, how was your barbecue for lunch? Oh, we had a lovely barbecue on the beach at Devonport today. On the beach? On the beach, and it was, I mean, I must admit, no good for rallying, but perfect for lying on the lovely white sand up there with the beautiful crystal clear water, and the um, local rotary people who look after all the lunches in different areas had a wonderful barbecue today. So. Everybody was actually a little bit disappointed when they all had to leave and, you know, they were being told, come on, get back in your cars and leave. I didn't know Rickshaw was doing the catering. <laughs> <laughs> so did... In that rice cooker. <laughs> so did you get the race suit off and just slip on the bikini and, the, you know, and one of the inevitable pairs of shoes or what? Oh, she, had a le she had a lemon G-string <laughs> on. Bikini on, boys, but no, time didn't permit that. But, you know, there's too many other people there. I didn't want to scare everybody. <laughs> uh, we'll Photoshop you up. <laughs> I love Photoshop. Uh, <laughs> Me yeah. too. All right, let's have a chat to Wazza. All right, boys. Look, you take care. Love you both. You too. All right. Cheers. And have a good week. Yeah, but you yeah, have a good day tomorrow. Thanks, guys. I'll put him on. Bye. Okay, cheers. See ya. She loves the barbecue, though. See, we have to see that. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, how you going, Warwick? Yeah, good. Good. Bit, uh, bit knackered, to be honest. Well, mate, uh, not surprising. I suppose the concentration levels are pretty pretty full on. How much time do you actually spend in the car during the day? So at the pointy end of the field, you actually end up starting a little bit later than everyone else? Well, the way that this runs is quite different to a World Rally Championship or an Australian Rally Championship, where the top-seeded cars in the WRC or ARC start first, and then, you know, obviously, normal grid order in motorsport terms. With this, because there are so many cars, I mean, there's 250-odd competitors in this, they do it in reverse order, so, you know, car 250, which is obviously running a lot slower, or the slowest car, if that were to start um, last, I mean, they'd be coming in at 9 o'clock at night, you know. So, so it's a bit unique in that, and it actually chucks up a couple of challenges um, from the driving perspective, which is unique to rallying in that you uh, have a situation where you can actually be overtaking cars in the stage um, and today we, we had such a thing. Um, we start at 30 second intervals, and uh, today we were quicker than a Subaru, and uh, we uh, approached it over a crest going into a chicane, and um, the rule says that you can't overtake within 200 metres of the chicane, so there's a bit of uh kind of arrangement, you know, where <laughs> we go rallying, and, and we're up the uh, exhaust of a Subaru, through the chicane because um, I've been given strict instructors by the uh, co-driver do not overtake I'm going roger that <laughs> and I uh, came out of the chicane and then I uh, blasted past them and um, I think they've still got a windscreen uh, well that's good it must be very frustrating though when you're in that position Warwick to uh, you know to have to sit behind another car like that um, we, when we were talking to Linda earlier, I mean, she was saying that the uh, the crew's been just giving the car a few tweaks today because it's the first day you've really driven it in anger. Um, how's the whole package holding up, and, and how happy are you with it? Yeah, um, I mean, on the frustration side, yeah. I mean, in terms of overtaking, it can be. And, um, you know, there's been a couple of times in the last couple of years where um, I sort of boiled over a little bit, but that's sort of the normal, normal thing when you're competitive. And um, but look, it's, you just got to deal with it, and, um, and, and you know, and you got to sort of move on to the next corner. Um, in terms of the car, um, out of the box, the guys have done a terrific job. I mean, you got to really keep in mind that um, Mitsubishi or Rallyart in Australia, and uh, you know, and Alan Heafy's team have not put a tarmac car together before. They've run on uh, the intellectual property um, that they have. Um, from contacts in Europe mainly. Um, we're running the Oland uh, shock package. Uh, and so they've described to the guys in Europe to their, their best ability what we're going to uh, encounter. And the package that they've sent out, in fact, the, the guy from um, Oland's came out here. And uh, it, it's really close. You know, we, haven't had, um, we haven't changed any shocks. We haven't changed any springs. Um, I was able to give the guys also my setup from the Evo 7 in terms of ride height and spring rates and things like that. And, um, you know, look, we're all pretty close. We're all pretty close to the mark. 
I mean, what you have to do now is um, balance the thing up. And in the old days, it really was pretty much a, a matter of, you know, a few clicks here and clicks there on the dampers and, and you know, a little bit of ride height, where the thing that gets tricky with it, these modern cars is that you have the active center diff, you've got front diff, obviously, rear diff, you've got the hydraulic packages, um, it's a programmable computer in the center, um, and our engineer has the capacity and has done change the parameters in that several times. So it's quite a complicated process, and, and, it's, and you just don't hit the sweet spot straight away. And does that put a hell of a lot more pressure on you as the driver in terms of giving them that feedback? Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, it's been, well, it's never been enough just to be a good driver. You know, like if you want to win in any discipline of motorsport, it's never been enough. And, and that's something that was taught to me very early on um, when I got into Formula Ford and I had the privilege of working with some great guys and they said to me, if you're going to excel in this sport, you have to understand not so much how to engineer a car, but you have to understand what is happening to the car and translate that back to the engineers in in a clear and sensible way so we can understand what's going on and, and work forward with that. Was, uh, you probably would have found, uh, Warwick, today <laughs> driving around in the, in the Works 9, you've got to go through some roads where you've been driving, you know, previously in the 7, and you've just gone to yourself quietly, geez, I never went through there like that last year. Were you finding that? Yeah, it, it, it's actually, a, it's a funny thing. And, and you know, I, I'll be honest, it, it, it's very hard sometimes. Like, I, I understand what's happening to the car. And, and I suppose I'll say this, we are not yet in our optimum mode. We're not far from it, but we're not there yet. And, um, and, and so we're, we've got, you know, room to go, um, room to improve. Um, what has surprised me, and I haven't necessarily felt it in the car, because you're talking about such small increments when you get to this level, and they're coming from maybe five different areas, that you don't necessarily have a big shock and go, whoa, this is like, you know, really different, or this is so much better. But then you look at the stopwatch, and you go, whoa. And like today, we were quicker on every single... Um, what I call competitive stage, it's bar one, than we were last year. And the only reason we were slower on, on the one that we didn't go quicker than last year was because of the, the road conditions were really bad. Um, they, they have a knockdown here of um, resealing roads or doing road works just before we compete. And we went through, uh, you know, a stage today which might have been two kilometres. You know, part of it was... Um, where we had two k's of just gravel basically and so it was like going back to gravel rallying and, and so you know they're the things you got to deal with but um, the car is quicker the car is quicker than my seven and it's quicker in and, and what makes it quicker is that I think the um, the diffs the electronics the uh, torque out of slower corners um, you know the gear selection um, so there, there's a lot of things that are quicker, but we're, as I said, we're, we're still got uh, room to go. And, and look, I'm rusty. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm rusty. I haven't been in the 
today was my first day in what I call proper rally stages um, for for 11 months, and so it's it's hard to bring it all together. And and it's not just the driver; you got to absorb what uh, you know the co-driver or Linda is is saying. Um, take all that in and and really visualise it in your mind. Um, deal with the road conditions. Deal with the uh, you know the balance of the car. I mean, there's a lot of things that that's going on in uh, split seconds. There's a bit of an old saying in in, in rallying uh, or tarmac rallying that you want to try and drive the centre of the road simply because if you're obviously going to have a have an issue, then you've got a bit of space either side. In the top ten, is that not the case? And you really do have to drive lines that you would a, as you would a racetrack and get the apex exactly as late as possible. Yeah. Look, I mean, um, if you drive up the centre of the road. You know, look, you'll get it home and um, you'll enjoy a vino at the end of the night, but you're not going to be in the top 30, you know. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, you've got to be there in front of the Subaru, and I think that's probably what everybody's going to be looking at. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, from that perspective, um, it's, I'll be honest, it's, it's a little bit tough, um, because today was day one for Mitsubishi Rally Art on their tarmac project. And um, hopefully it'll be the start of many years in this discipline of the sport, you know, here in Australia. Look, I think so, it's my... you know they have to do the miles, and we all have to do the miles, so they can understand the process and develop the car and and, and take what is an exceptional car into a brilliant car. Um, by the same token, you know, obviously everyone is looking at the blue cars and going, well. You know, we want to beat them. So it's a twin gilded sword arrangement when you're sitting in the car because you don't want to bring the puppy home scratched or broken. By the same token, you don't want to be behind the blue car. So it's a it's a delicate line. Especially if you're a bit rusty, Warwick. I notice on the uh, on the Target Tasmania website, you you use that rusty quote as a it, they had a um, like a top ten quotes from lunchtime today, and uh, and you were saying about how rusty you are. Does, does it really take you that long to get back in the groove? I mean, like you're saying you're rusty today. To come halfway through tomorrow, do you think you'll be fully back in the groove and not feeling rusty at all? Ah, look, I'm not going to make predictions. Um, <laughs> but, but put it this way, you don't lob to Wimbledon and walk out to your first qualifier and not hit a ball for 11 months. Yeah, quite true. And I understand you're wearing a Hans device for the first time as well. Is that, is, is that causing you any grief in terms of sort of driver comfort? Um, once I'm in the stages, I'm fine. Um, because we are doing a lot of stages and, you, you know, you're sort of kidding up before the stage and then, you know, getting all your gear off after a stage, obviously. Um, what we're finding is that we have to give ourselves longer in prep time when we go to enter a stage. Um, and look, it, it can be a little bit annoying, but I actually was thinking about that late in the day, and I think, oh, I'm getting used to this, and it's, and it's not so bad. It'll best become second nature. I think all drivers have had that sort of initial uh, sort of <laughs> yeah. problem, just getting used to it. But uh... but it may end up giving you a bit more confidence too to push it a little bit harder. Who knows? Well, that's it. I mean, I've always been one that um, right from the start to always sort of kit out in the best gear and, and look after the safety aspects and um, and you know and, and certainly with Linda you know I've tried to make sure that she's always had the very best that's available um, and that does give you confidence and listen I mean the reality is 
a couple of years from now, this is going to be mandatory. Yeah, yeah that's and absolutely And the right. next thing will be window nets. Yeah, and I then, hear they're even, you know, uh, even looking at... Another year or two years, there'll be something else. I mean, that's just the evolution of safety. And unfortunately, it takes, you know, um, not nice incidents to uh, make these things mandatory. Um, uh, so we're just ahead of the game in, in, in terms... And we've done a few things like that since we've been together. And, and you know, I mean, you've just got to get used to it and you've got to live with it and you've got to move on, you know. But, um, it's, you know, otherwise we'd be running around with pudding hats on and no roll bars, you know. <laughs> That's right. Well, you'd yeah. be back at Gandu and Speedway at, uh, at Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then that's another. In the early days with Harvey. <laughs> oh, mate, wish you all the best for tomorrow, and uh, and uh, hope the, uh, the the week goes well. I'm sure it will be. And uh, if you if you make, you get a little bit of time, make sure you make it down to that really special Chinese in Launceston. Yeah, well, we've been talking about that, but we oh, just made it. And I've got to say that I'm probably a bit more subdued than the last time I spoke to you, but um, <laughs> I'm a bit more tired, and um, yeah. And well, you get a good night's sleep and good luck for tomorrow. All right, mate. Thanks for that. We'll see Bye. you down there on Sunday at the finish. See ya. Cool. Thanks, Bye. 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 Well, that was pretty interesting anyway. Um, maybe they'll yes. go to that Chinese restaurant. <laughs> they might well, get there eventually. Like to, they're not very good at taking my advice. I think they're sounding a bit stressed at the moment. They've got uh, other things fair. on their mind than Chinese food. I'll tell you who else is stressed. Who's that? Super cheap auto. They Super. don't have any cars left. They keep breaking them left, right and centre. Look at that. Yeah, well, the, uh, <laughs> the Murfster did not have his classic Puka Kaui good weekend. Puka Kaui. Puka Kaui. Puka Kaui. Puka Kaui. Puka Kaui. You say it. Yeah. Well, you're a Kiwi. You know how to pronounce it properly. Oh, viewers, I'm not. I oh. just happened to be born there and came across when I was six. So don't listen to that bloke on my left. Okay, then. Anyway, it's, uh, it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty big event, wasn't it? Jeez, everybody it was... just crashed into everybody, and um, you see that's what happens when you go and paint your face on the front of a hel- of a of a car and say it's my two hundredth this or two hundredth that, and then you go off at two hundred. Well, you're guaranteed to have a prank, aren't you? When you when it when it's something special. And uh, on that note, we should also send a good old cheerio to Scotty Wensley, who's part of Sam Media, works along with Mark Osborough to produce the V8 to supercar yearbook and Paul Blake, uh, I suppose it always, you know, you, 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 you can't win everything and, and you no. know, he's just got caught up in the uh, the aftermath of Bowie's uh, accident there and uh, I believe his leg's broken a couple of places and he's laid up in hospital over there. So, uh, yeah. Scotty, all the best and I know you'll be um, chirping around and, and, and fighting. Yeah, you'll be uh, back, back on track in no time. Well, even Bowie gave him a call. Well, that's good to hear. Probably wanted some money off it. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> well, it was certainly a big weekend over there, and uh, you know we've, we've we've had a bit of a shuffle, and the Russell man is back on top. Yeah, I you wouldn't believe. You <laughs> <he> wouldn't. <laughs> Excuse me, viewers, but there, yeah, that is a, it is pretty uh, strange that there he is, but well, one point separating him from Rick Kelly, who'd been given the drive-through at the first race at Clipsal 500 on the first lap for uh, jumping the start, but he didn't. And and Lounsey's back down in eighth. I mean, yeah, he didn't have a great uh, weekend. No, that's uh, that, that's right. And I um, I was actually on the phone to Alan Simonson uh, at the time when I was watching the show, and I just heard this huge groan <laughs> as the double eight car had like crunched off into the bushes. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but then, then the then he was a little bit more upbeat after the triple eight car got a bigger beating in the second reverse grid race. Now, I don't know about reverse grid races there. Look, they're pretty good action, but uh, yeah, they mechanically they don't work too well, do they? Well, they don't work well mechanically, and I mean the whole the whole V eight supercar thing this year has just been a crash fest. You know, we've had we've had Clipsal five hundred crash fest, and now we've had the Pukowie crash fest. Um, you know. 
why suddenly is there just or why does it seem that there are just so many more prangs is everybody trying harder have they uh, um, are there far less owner drivers so it's not my car i don't have to worry about the cost of fixing it i can go a bit harder uh, we talked about the media pressure on a on an earlier show um but it's just it's just amazing the number of prangs that there are now my theory on that this is that the that the both the, the supercar and the uh, Fujitsu series is really growing there at their fully prescribed fields. And there doesn't seem to be a great deal of loyalty there from team owners towards their drivers. It seems like everyone feels like they're a little bit on tender hooks. Sure, mm. there's contracts in place, but and the media is also to blame here. Like they, they actually they're a little bit better. They're not as bad as political media, but you know you can if you're on the uh, the wrong end of the stick, a bit like Simon, poor Simon Wills was. You well, know, yeah, like, true. You, know, you, you just get trashed and, and pushed down the. End and he of did the, get a bit, fair bit of media attention too. Uh, so. I think that they have to quickly establish, you know, you've just got to go for it. The pressure is there. And again, this goes back to limited testing time. Mm. Uh, the fact that people really, they, okay, they 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 probably should maybe make a dozen test days. Um, and I don't think that that's a problem, you know, really, and the issue of cost containment. But I would be suggesting that the drivers in the series need to be doing other categories as well like to keep their hand in because we saw how well some of the drivers who did spend time in in other categories uh, which increased their level of versatility and their their ability to do deal with traffic and you know, mm, just come out on top and you, but you got to be there at the end you know it is a waiting game but what at which point do you, true do you uh, i mean you, if you start talking cost containment as well i mean uh, yeah it's all very well to say oh well we're only going to have limited number of testing days and this that and the other but what's the bloody cost of fixing all these trashed cars all the time i mean you talk about super cheap auto there now do they have to go back to i mean does the team have to go back to super cheap with their handout going oh guys look i know you uh, gave us this this much this year but can you just sort of bump it up and give us a short-term loan for a oh, few johnny months you know we well enough down? that you don't have to perform at the front end of the field you just got to get your car on tv it's all about tv time well, so true, if you can't but... win then crash big time and then uh, <laughs> just try and, try and turn it into a media stunt and uh, and then Brett Crusher Murray is a, is, a, is brilliant at being able to do those sorts of uh, roles. But uh, sure luckily, they, yeah, it's, it's it's very you know under the radar that one. Uh, well, Russell coming up the front, I reckon it's good because yeah. no one would everyone going. That's just not right. And but, but good on him. Get Mark, out of trouble. Mark Winterbottom. He had a very very good run on the weekend. Finally, someone from FBR got up on the grid. Yeah, back up behind. I mean, on the, the, on the podium. Um, so you know he's he's running ninth now, which I you know that's. Uh, very very good result for him and uh it, it certainly probably um what was what am i trying to say vindicates the faith that the team has had in him at last absolutely what's been happening overseas uh oh, formula one was, was, was well was it was a good race the other night it was a really a real t- a tire battle um, and that was what it was all about, you know. I, I read, read something from from Ralph Schumacher who had said that previously, you know, with the earlier cars, that they battled terribly, like to be able to contain the tyres because they were very tough on them. Now they've built yeah. the Toyota. Now they've built is so light on the tyres, it's gone the other side of the coin. They can't get the heat into the tyres to get the thing to grip. So he's going, oh, it's the devil in the deep blue sea. But he probably didn't say that because it's not well, one of his sayings. He probably didn't. But I mean, talking about tyres, I mean Schumacher was supposedly. Uh, complaining about graining and everything else when he had uh, oh, who was up his clacker for 
quite a few laps. Um, was it Alonso? Yes. And then Alonso pitted, and um, suddenly Shuey was uh, forgetting all about the grainy tyres and doing about half a second or to a second a lap faster times. So you've got to wonder if there's a little bit of bluff there happening with with regard to these tyres. I'm not not 100% certain that it's quite as bad as everybody makes out it is. So, looking ahead to the future, viewers, what's going on in the world of motorsport? Okay, well, this weekend, 30th of April, we have the next round of DTM in Lautzersring following uh, the European Formula 3 Championship. In uh, NASCAR, Talladega, and uh, the World Rally Championship uh, arrives in Argentina with the next round of the World Touring Cars at Magni Coors. The week uh, after that, that'll be the 7th of May, that weekend, Formula One in Nürburgring. The opening round of FIA GT Championship, where Alan will be driving the... Uh, at Silverstone. Ferrari 430. It'll be very interesting to see what goes on there. Uh, yep. And uh, the GP2 round, which will probably be another Nico... Rosberg... Benefit. Benefit, absolutely. No, it's not Nico nah, Rosberg. No, 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 what are you talking about? Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a... Formula uh, 1. PK. PK son's name. Yeah, PK son. PK Jr. PK Jr. Speaking of PK... Speaking of PK... Uh, Derek Warwick um, had a bit of a dummy spit and said to uh, Nelson that you're just a cranky old bastard and you, you, um, you're just not happy with the world and you don't like things and if you don't want to come and do the Grand Prix Masters, which they're going to be doing next weekend, well, yes. you can bugger off. And, so he uh, spat his PK, and, spat his chewy. And he did, <laughs> spat the chewy. And in fact, PK said that, uh, well, none of those blokes uh, you know, can make any money from anywhere else in their lives, so they're better off uh, doing that. Well, Nelson, we might just point out that Derek Warwick is also a partner with Roland Dane at Triple Eight Race Engineering, which have been very successful in the British Touring Car Championship. Yeah, and from Nigel commercial and made, racing point of view. That's right. And Nigel Mansell's made a bucket load of money out of golf courses. Thanks for coming and Ooh. being a, well, uh, well, well, well. a a celebrity constable. That's right. And all at an Isle of Man pub. Yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're going back to some of those events. He can actually would... deputise himself and take himself home by the year <laughs> if he gets really messy. <laughs> but will he breathalyse himself? This is the question. It's a big YouTube. Um, Formula 3, you, you, you touched on Formula 3 there. And I noticed that uh, at Senna's son has uh, won a round of uh, Formula 3. Well, it's not Senna's son, it's his it's nephew, nephew whatever it is. Nephew. You know what it I mean. The, 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 he, actually, he won his first the, race. 22 or 23 year old. He did. He, he won right. his first race there at Albert Park and yeah. uh, saw him down there and. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, well, that's uh, history in the making, viewers. So I'm sure oh, that well, we'll be so seeing well. more of the Senna uh, name coming back. Uh, and Bruno Senna. In fact, and his it, mother yeah. was very against him coming in going into car racing, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he's let him have a bit uh -huh. of a go. And he wanted to come down here and have a bit of a run around. And, you know, I think it's a bit of a strategic marketing point of view as well. Oh, probably. But, uh, you know, it's amazing the when you start looking now. I mean, we've got the Mansells, we've got the Senners, we've got the Rossbergs. They're all just second second generation and they're all coming through. 12th of May, that's my birthday. And in Houston, there'll be the American <laughs> Le Mans Series race round two after the first one, which is at the Sebring 12 hour. And Champ Car also at the same venue. British Touring Car Championship weekend. will be held at Alton Park and the Le Mans series, the opening of oh, the second round of the Le Mans series after the Istanbul round will be held at the beautiful 
Spa track in Belgium. V8 also on in Perth over at Wanneroo. The Sandgrapers will be happier with that. And the British Formula 3 a week later at Donington with IRL a month after that. On the oh, 28th yeah. of May, a month after that. And Le Mans 18th of June. It's not that far away. Book your tickets it's now, viewers. It's not that far away at all. Oh, I can't and, uh, wait to go. And after our discussion last week, I could actually be in the UK that week. You could be in the UK. What are you I asking me indeed. for a free deal somewhere? Well, I hope that either you or International Paulie can get me a ticket. That's all I want to know. No, uh, well, Team Hot well, get me entry. Uh, you know, Paul, it's okay if you're listening. Uh, one of those passes over the fence will do. <laughs> Mate, it's the bus over the fence is easy. It's getting a place to lie your head down. But anyway, yeah, well, like if you shave up what and smile sweetly, you might find a spare bed. You never know. You're like in the big city. That's right. Or well, uh, the smaller miles. Hot Lap's actually going to be pretty busy over the next few weeks because I think we're off to, as I said, we're off to off Tiger to? this weekend and then yep. up to uh, Sydney for the uh, second round of the V8 Utadoran yeah, Park. Yes, and then straight off to Spa in Belgium for the Spa 1000K race. And then back to do some stuff that we can't talk about in Sydney, and then down to Wakefield Park, and oh god, it just it's goes on done. and on. The whole year is just evaporating. It is. I can't get um, my work through. I can't get through my be, work at all. Before we know it, we'll be on our fifty-second uh, bloody. Uh, well, yeah, apart from our fifty-second beer, we'll be on our fifty-second episode, and uh, we'll be getting ready for uh, Classic Adelaide again. Jesus. <laughs> oh, excuse me if I'm blaspheming. Anyway. <laughs> what, what are we going to move on to? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to move on to. We're going to move on. Oh, the, the dogs has found something snappy out there in the tree. Dogs, you okay? How unusual. About, uh, about I, I, saw, I, saw that, I saw that there's been a new Apple 17-inch laptop. Yeah, oh, actually, I touched on that while you were trying to get Linda on the phone and uh, sort of got caught short because you came back. But yes, Apple have released a new 17-inch laptop. Um, the MacBook Pro 17-inch. Uh, it's got the high-end uh, processor, the uh, two point whatever, two point one blah blah. That's James making a mess in the kitchen, viewers. Um, but one of the big news items that uh, that I was actually alluding to when I touched on this while you were getting Linda on the phone was the fact that uh, in the US there are a large number of uh, Apple resellers who are pre-installing Windows XP at very, very like OEM-style cut price um, onto PowerBooks like so that people have got... Using Bootcamp technology. Yep, using Bootcamp, and so that they've got dual boot straight out of the box. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm not sure whether that's a particularly sensible idea when it, uh, for the mainstream user, considering it's sort of an alpha-beta sort of stage. Well, I, would, I would be tending to want to be hold off and get it right because if it does go pear-shaped, it's only going to give everyone a bad taste in their mouth. True. I mean, Apple's basically said that they don't worry. They're not intending to pre-install Windows, but they don't seem to have a problem to resellers doing that. Um, but, you know, you still come back to that thing we spoke about last week, uh, which is that, uh, you know, the corporates and whatnot, dual boot machines, booting out of one OS into another, is a bit of a waste of space. They want to be able to have it all in uh, in one hit and just switch between. So uh, that's basically the end of that. There's a pussycat um, in the tree. The dogs is going nuts. Um, and and going I think nuts. we're going to wrap it up a little bit early tonight because I'm just, I'm just, viewers, I'm, I'm tired. I'm yeah, tired. you are. You're a bit knackered. Johnny's got a lot on at the moment and he's got uh, a number of websites to build that he's not been uh, getting to the, uh, get, getting into quickly enough. Um, and lots of pressure and Bit of a victim uh, of success actually. Yeah, well, so. you get that. Anyway. You do get that. 
So um, we'll uh, be back to see you next Wednesday, viewers, where we will definitely get a full uh, breakdown about how the Mitsubishi versus Subaru challenge at uh, Target Tasmania. And went, to see and, how close uh, they get to the uh, Porsches up the front. Um, yeah. And we'll have James on the show to explain to us why he's been such a noisy bastard in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that? <laughs> see anyway, you, viewers. Good night, viewers.